With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The biggest thing is that what we want to do is we want to get work done against a good team, okay? So it's important that uh, our guys know that we're not going to put up with any trash talking. We're not going to put up with any fighting. You know, we're not here for that. We're here to get better. And, uh, I, I, you know, hopefully our guys will know that. And they'll have the same thing. I mean, uh, Coach Marone and I have talked about it. So, uh we're really all about getting work done. We don't want to get <clears throat> in any kind of conflicts like they had in, apparently in Washington. I didn't see it, but things like that. All right, so Phil, the, the key to that now, Hello. the key, Hello. the key to that is now go find Kumbaya okay. because what we did was we all sat down, the Jaguars and Vikings, and decided this is going to be oh. a peaceful practice. You see, that's no fun. Kumbaya. This was playing throughout TCL Performance Center yesterday. Did they do a group meditation session? Some partner stretching? Leave the quarterbacks alone. I thought it was odd that Jalen Ramsey was helping stretch Xavier Rhodes' hamstrings for him before practice. Well, we now know why he was suspended for a week. They knew that was going to come out, and they had no interest in him being around the media at all. Oh, this, oh so let's let's dive into it. You mean him ripping quarterbacks? Yeah, you well, haven't done that on the show yet today, right? No, we, we did. Okay. But my point, and I, I told Chip this, and he agreed. It made no sense to suspend a guy a week for basically melting down. Like he didn't yeah. go and push a reporter. He yeah. basically he basically yelled at reporters who were filming an altercation between his teammates, and then he took to Twitter and melted down. And but, he got a week suspension. So I'm like, well, wait, 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 yeah. wait. I've seen too many guys do this. But then the GQ piece came out yesterday, and I'm like, oh, it all makes sense. Yeah, the the GQ piece. <laughs> And it's and this is these are just snippets. ESPN.com has a summary. But Jalen Ramsey base and this is I'd love to know what his thoughts are on his own quarterback, because if he thinks Matt Ryan isn't very good at football, then maybe he should go talk to his own quarterback, I got, Blake Bortles. I got thoughts on his guy after seeing him yesterday. Oh, oh really? Oh my God. He is Do I, tell. Oh well I knew You mean the Jaguars may have made a mistake by I don't going that far in the I playoffs having one flaw? It's and, malpractice. I don't understand how you give... This is a good team, and this is a defense that's really, really good. Blake Bortles, so there was a team drill I watched yesterday in which he threw one ball into Anthony Barr's hands, and Barr dropped it. The next pass he threw was... No contract extension for Barr after that. No, that's out. The next pass he threw was a deeper route in which it landed in the bread basket and went through that of Xavier Rhodes. Harrison Smith, according to Chip, volunteered up the fact he dropped two... Bortles passes yesterday. Like, this guy is, he's unplayable. It's, it's also a testament to, sometimes you go through a season, and Case Keenum did this for the Vikings last year. I'm not saying, I'd rather have Case Keenum than Blake Bortles, don't get me wrong, but 
interceptable passes should be a stat that they, I mean, in pro football focus tracks it, but yeah. when you see a quarterback's interception totals, it doesn't tell nearly the whole story. And practice, <laughs> it sounds like, told a big story about Blake Boris. Well, you know, he didn't have any interceptions. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the linebacker's fault. I don't understand how an organization, though, that, that was in the AFC title game and is pretty close to being damn good, if not already damn good, sits still and says, Portals is fine. And like Collar said, and he's right, he's exactly right about this, there were a lot of guys out there. You could have gone and taken a chance on Teddy. Teddy would have been great. Josh McCown, and, and maybe Josh McCown wanted to stick where he was. but and, and now that all these reports are coming out about how great Teddy Bridgewater looks, every time you check NFL Twitter or go do a search for Teddy Bridgewater training camp on Google if you're just wondering, like, oh, what, wonder what, how, are, how are Teddy's legs feeling? Uh, Teddy is a surgeon right now. Yeah. That's how far we've come here. This is what Jalen Ramsey said about quarterbacks in the NFL to GQ. He starts with Josh Allen, and no one really disagrees with this, but then he started going for it. He goes, I think Josh Allen's trash. I don't care what nobody say, he's trash, and it's going to show, too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. How I'm going to pause there. How often? The, the, the honesty is refreshing. I'm not ripping him for being honest, but it is kind of funny that he's got one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, that's a stupid draft pick to me. We play them this year, and I'm excited as hell. I hope he's their starting quarterback. He played at Wyoming. Every time they played a big school, like they played Iowa State, which is not a big school in my opinion because I went to Florida State. He threw five interceptions and lost by a couple touchdowns or something like that. He never beat a big school. Oh, so he's stating the obvious about Josh Allen. And then he continues and starts ripping Matt Ryan saying... Uh, I think Matt Ryan's overrated. You can't tell me you win MVP two years ago, and then last year you're a complete bust, and you still got Julio Jones? There's no way that should ever happen. I don't care. You know what that tells me? That tells me Shanahan left, went to San Francisco, got Garoppolo, made Garoppolo this big thing, and now Garoppolo's a big name. And Ryan has this bad year? All right, well, was it really you or was it your coach? He was doing what was asked of him, and and, and Shanahan was making him look really, really good. He's got Flacco. You can't really disagree with that premise. Flacco, he sucks. I, I love it. He's, he's got three consecutive guys. Flacco, he sucks. Rodgers, doesn't suck. Brady, doesn't suck. He, but so he's just see, did you see who he praised? Did you see the quarterbacks in the piece that he praised? Kirk Cousins, who, by, who, by the way, we don't think he's played before. So he just like we don't think Jacksonville played Washington. He just he just decided that Kirk is a winner, and so yeah, we think he praised him without my. I'm envisioning Jalen Ramsey talking to a very savvy person from GQ here in like the month of May, totally relaxed, glass of wine or five glasses. Yeah, because this this definitely reads like a guy who's like I don't care. So there were several quarterbacks Ramsey praised in the GQ piece, including Drew Brees, of course, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott. And also Jags quarterback Blake Bortles. Think about that. He's scouring the entire league of who am I going to Wouldn't praise? you have no comment in that one? Just to keep your credibility. But you can't no comment Blake Bortles. I would have said he's because, my quarterback. I, I'm just not going to talk about. It. Yeah, but if you if, imagine if if someone were to ask you, what do you think of Blake Bortles? And you said no comment. It's not going to be construed yeah, as a positive. I think I would have danced around it and said, um, yeah, he's he's our quarterback. Yeah, that, I would just give. I, I would not have given you. And after watching him in the practice. Yesterday, I would have given you as vague, and he did give a vague, but I would have given you as vague, nondescriptive. He's our guy, and they're right. They're riding with him. Yeah, you wouldn't have gone to and started crying. That's my that's teammate. My, that's my quarterback, my quarterback, man. <laughs> no, no, I would not have started crying. I would cry if they asked me about him, and I knew he was my quarterback. Yeah. 
He's uh, coming back. Why is he coming back? There's another piece. Let's let's get into this here. Uh, Mackie and Judd at full strength here for uh, for the next couple hours. The Ringer has a feature on the Vikings, and they're calling the Vikings' new practice facility the most technologically and analytically sound facility in the NFL. And Rick Spielman opened up about the things that the new performance center is helping them do to get better as a team. There's some really interesting stuff in here. Mackie and Judd and Roy Smalley will come hang out with us in about 20, well, not come hang out, via the phone. It's like he's hanging yeah, close out, enough. but technology. He's our buddy. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue. On 1500 ESPN. The Minnesota United take on FC Dallas this Saturday night at Toyota Stadium. Tune in at 6.30 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff at 7 p.m. with Dan Terhar. Catch all the action right here on 1500 ESPN. They're, they're a good football team. You know, they went to the FC Championship game last year. So that part doesn't, you know, whoever they bring, they bring. And if they don't, they don't. We're just going to go out and try to uh, us improve. Uh, you know, their defense is, is very similar to a lot of defenses that we're going to face this year. So I think schematically, so I think that will be good, um, especially for our offense. And then, you know, they're a downhill power running football team, basically, um, that'll be good for our defense. That was a lot of football-y speak right there, right? Downhill power running. and Yeah, we want to get a look, but we don't want fights because that's the old school. Yeah. And yeah. But that was, that was a lot of grizzled football talk. Yes. There's a lot of new age football talk happening inside the TC. I'm going to get the, I'm going to, I got to get used to this. The Twin Cities, the TCOP, the TCOPC, TCOPC. Yeah. It, it, you down with TCOPC? It rolls yeah, yeah, you on know me. me. It rolls off the tongue more than I expected. TCOPC. I thought it would be really TCOC. Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center. But the TCOs. Performance Center actually rolls off the tongue far more than I thought it would. Because Winter Park was just so... I just liked Winter Park. Right. A T, why don't they just call it Winter... I guess sponsorship. TCOPC yes. sounds like a computer brand, which actually is a good segue. Yep. Because The Ringer has a big feature on how the Vikings might be the most technologically advanced organization because of their new facility in all of sports at this moment. In fact, Rick Spielman talked about... Rick Spielman opened up about the new facility, and, and they had a picture of him that they took from the Star Tribune when all the media members went to see the new electronic draft board, which is a big thing in the NFL. They've been using magnets for a long time. But it's not just about being able... It's not like when Vanna White no longer turned the letters, she got to touch the letters. It goes beyond that. You have all this information stored mm-hmm. for each player, right? So Spielman, when it came to various studies about analytics or statistical trends or deep dives... He used to go on profootballreference.com and click through the Game Finder feature, which anyone can do. We do it. I know Matthew Collar does it for his articles. We'll do it for research on this show. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, I'd be going through quarterback evaluations, looking at players and how they did with two minutes to go. That would take me like two days, and I'd hand write out all the numbers and use a calculator to calculate the collected numbers. Now I can ask for anything and have it in 10 minutes because they have everything set up and they have their technological system set up. Yep. And so the Vikings are actively looking for people who had full-time jobs just sort of data mining. And if you're Rick Spielman, you might spend several hours looking for a certain trend. Yep. What do you do with those extra hours? And he talked a lot about that in this article. So instead of maybe taking 10 hours to do something that now takes 10 minutes, 
you can get a little bit more in-depth with a, an opposing team's specialty play history, right? So now Absolutely, I might have yeah. five hours to go through and look at every trick play they've done for five or ten years yep. and see if I notice patterns or trends. So it's an immediate impact for the organization, and and I don't know if if they use some of this stuff to their benefit at all last year because it was such a, like, they were moving into this facility, but... I don't think so. Um, but... The Vikings are way ahead of the curve in this area, and maybe they were way behind the curve five or ten years ago. Well, I mean, you you were at uh, Winter Park for a long time yourself, covering that team. You saw it was that pretty place. rickety, yeah. And I mean, when I got in there in before the Wilfs bought the team, the locker room was embarrassingly small. The first year that the Wilfs owned the team in two thousand five, they actually had to go out and buy buy air conditioning units to run into the locker room because it wasn't air conditioned. Yikes! The upstairs, I'm sure, had rodents r- running through it. This whole, I'm not a rah rah guy, but I will say this: when you go out to this place now, it is off the charts phenomenal, yeah. and it's got. This is a team. That when Adrian Peterson was gifted a some type of of rehabilitation whirlpool type unit at one time, he donated it to the Vikings, and the Vikings knocked out a wall and a room to build for it at Winter Park. Wow! But I mean, a player had to come and say we should have this, and the team's like, okay, sure, and the player said, okay, it's yours for free. Yeah, this is a place now, as Collar has told us, that has a chirogenics room. Chirogenics, yeah, which is the whole thing with where, is it like chiropractic, with where they lopped else? off Ted's head like a freezer. Oh, cryogenics, cryogenics, chirogenics is is like for chiropractors. Oh no, I'm sorry. So, but oh, my cryogenics, point, yeah. But my point is, this place has everything now. Yeah, every single thing as far as analytics go, as far as rehabilitation goes, as far as anything that you could possibly want, this place has. And the NFL, so the NFL has tracking systems too now, and, and t- so the NFL has player movement tracking for in games miles per hour and top speed and things like that. And teams also track things during practice, but the Vikings have been preparing for four or five years to be able to hit the ground running with all of this information from the NFL. So they'll know if a player's top speed is X miles per hour, whatever. Like what's a, what's a top, how fast do people run? 15 miles an hour? I would be guessing. You and I don't run but that I, fast. But I get the, I get the point. Let's say it's 15 miles an hour. Okay. That we know that, that Trey Wayne's top speed is 15 miles an hour. And you'll be able to see that at certain points in the game, like why is he only running 12 miles per hour? And you can then decipher, well, is he not giving effort? Is he hurt? This or that? Uh, they can also see, this is, I never thought of this. This is amazing. With player tracking data, and the Vikings have done a lot of building behind the scenes that maybe other teams haven't, at least according to this article, they can tell you internally with their own players and externally, do players start to wear down throughout the course of a season does Xavier Rhodes or pick a player that's maybe, maybe Linval Joseph, whatever, or a, or a wide receiver, whatever it is, right? do they lose speed in week 12? How fast are they running that same pattern in week two versus week And how week do you 12? get them back if they do? Right. Yeah. Or if it's an opposing team, I'd want to know that this wide receiver over here, once we get to the second half of the schedule, that guy's not going to burn Trey Wayne's deep like he might have in week one. Yes. Because... He's had injuries or because he just isn't running quite as fast because the season and the wear and tear. And and this is another example, too, of I feel like there's a lot of old school sports fans who think analytics are ruining the games. I feel the opposite. I feel like analytics are enhancing the games. I think it enhances scouting. It kind of it sifts through some of the what ifs and some of the unknowns and tells you, no, this is truth. This is reality. Right. And I personally like that. And it goes 
in my mind, it goes beyond that, though. It's it's there's so many new things now and technologies and and they're not going to stop and they shouldn't stop. And so when, when you build a building like this, you have you probably have 10 things that at Winter Park you couldn't have imagined. Mm-hmm. And, and one is that. But you also have means of recovery and means of keeping people's. Uh, speed, as you talked about, up and or f- finding out if there is a certain point in time where they start to go off a cliff. So yeah, the old well, and, and I mean this is so true of b- baseball too. And I talked about this before you got here today. But the old school fan that holds near and dear to all this stuff, I appreciate I appreciate them. But things are changing, and they're improving the games. Yeah. They're, they're not making them worse. Now, are there going to be some things that we don't like as much? Absolutely, but that's going to be true regardless. So, so to me. Something like this, if you can be on the cutting edge and you're the Vikings, good for you. And you know what? If analytics tell us that handing the ball off to a fullback up the middle is a bad idea, yes. then we can get rid of boring plays in the NFL, then I'm all for it. The thing I actually, one of the things I like most about the idea of a joint practice being held here, it's not that I love Jaguars players. But those guys now are going to see this place and start to talk t- to their friends. Like, if you mm-hmm. play for the Vikings and you're like, you should come play for us, you're, yeah. you're going to be like, well, you play f- play for that team. So you're slightly biased, perhaps. But if you're from the Jaguars, if you spend your life in Jacksonville, Florida, at their practice facility, which I'm guessing is okay but not great, and you see this place, you're going to be like, whoa. Yes, it's it's a selling point, too. And think about this. In the NFL, salary caps are equal. They're all hard capped. In the NBA, you can, you can, you have a soft cap, and you can kind of maybe, maybe one team would be able to finagle and offer another team, another guy, extra money. Or if you re-sign with the same team, the team that has that player has an advantage because you can go maybe go a fifth year on a contract. In the NFL, salary caps across the board, so you know a player is not going to be able to go over here necessarily and get ten million dollars more at his position than other teams. So money is sort of equal across positions. Whatever your value is, there's going to be teams that are going to pay you that. Uh, I think if you have things like a great practice facility that maybe go above and beyond, where all right, if five teams can offer this guy this this free agent left tackle $15 million a year, mm-hmm. what else sets you apart? Well, winning would be an obvious thing, but a really, really cool place to go to work that helps right. you get better and a place that you enjoy being for 10 to 12 hours a day, right? Right, which, which is why the the whole thing about the golfers and, you know, who cares where they practice? It matters oh now. It All matters that stuff more matters. Sure, but but those those are the things where a player or a young man will say, oh, wait, 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 wait. So I can go to the University of Minnesota and practice football in a, in a facility that leaks, that we can't punt in, and then I can go eat my my lunch in a lobby, or I can go to Nebraska, where we have a state-of-the-art indoor facility in which to practice. I have a locker that's got, what, iPads and all of that type of stuff, and a hall in which to eat that's glorious. Yeah. I think I'm going to go play for Nebraska. It's a no-brainer, yes. Here's another thing. This is actually this is actually the, uh, the anecdote that I was hoping to find here toward the end of the article. If you want to read more about the Vikings practice facility and how it's so far ahead of certain other teams, like most other teams in sports, theringer.com has a great piece. Uh, Mike Zimmer sometimes gets upset about numbers without context. Say a data point that shows a player ran only a certain speed, miles per hour to the ball. Uh, Spielman said, Zimmer will say, well, maybe that's because he was told to do contain on the backside and then close. 
Uh, you have to you have to have knowledge on why that player isn't running at peak speed, or else you'll look at the numbers and say, okay, he's not running at maximum effort because he's not close to top speed. You have to know the why, and that should be a given. Sure, you should never just look and say. I remember one time, uh, it was a baseball analytics question, and Denard Span went from the Metrodome to Target Field, and his batting average had dropped off by I don't know forty points or something. He was a three hundred hitter at the Metrodome. And then he was something far less than that. It was it dropped into like the 260s or something at Target Field. And I went to Joe Vavra during spring training, the hitting coach at the time, and I said, all right, I'm looking at Denard's numbers, and I actually did a little digging in terms of analytics, and it says his, his ground ball batting average was like 80 points lower in his first year at Target Field. That's got to be the turf, right? That was my assumption. It's got to sure. be the turf. Yep. What, what do you think? And he said, that's a good assumption. Actually... There's a thing in his swing that he ha- there's a habit we're trying to break where he's hitting weak ground balls that bounce in front of the plate, and so the ground ball batting average is lower because he's hitting a lot of weaker ground balls. Like that's really useful, fun information to me as a as a diehard nutty fan. Yeah, and if you're a coach behind the scenes, you want to know that information. Absolutely. So just digging a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this 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 facility is going to give the Vikings opportunities to do things that that five years ago they probably couldn't have even thought up. Yes, and it might even change again in five years sure. based on where we're headed. Let's take one call on this real quick. Joe, you're on Mackie and Judd. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, I, I have to be honest, my call is not about this. Is that okay? Oh, well, yeah, fire away. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I got out of the car earlier, so maybe That's I okay. to call about this. Uh, I want to take Judd. Judd up here to task, maybe not task, but you and I are the similar age, Judd. I'm a little younger than you. I want to go back to your conversation earlier about baseball and the electronic strike zone and umpires. And sure. I guess, you know, I was an umpire in Little League and, uh, you know, high school baseball for a long time. And um, I've, I've just been around the game. I played baseball, played in college. Uh, I, I work with kids as a youth director. I don't understand how you could support umpires not having the authority. I understand that not the, nobody's paying at the gate to go see the umpire. I get that. But the umpire still has to maintain the integrity of the game. And if, and if the rule is you don't argue balls and strikes, you don't argue balls and strikes. You know, you get tossed for that. I mean, I, I feel like with this generation we're coming up with, it's uh, let's not hold them to the rules. Let's kind of pacify them, make sure that we're taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying you're condoning that, but it sounded that way a little bit to me. I don't. And then the integrity of the strike zone with the electronic strike zone, I just, yeah. you know, that just, it, you take out the human element. The human element is something that's a part of life. But I want and, I want to, well, in this case, because we have the technology now to actually make it a lot more, thanks, a lot more consistent and extremely reliable. And to be honest, I never want, if you told me today, starting today, that C.B. Buckner or Angel Hernandez were never going to be able to call a ball or strike, I would head to the bar and celebrate. They shouldn't be allowed to. So the the electronic strike zone, I'm for. I am not saying that if a player does something egregious that you can't toss him, but all. but my point is... We are no longer in an era or a time where umpires are characters. Oh, he threw him out. That was yeah. a good rhubarb. We are in an era or time where people pay a lot of money to see baseball games and sporting events. And so if you toss a player that I want to see, you're directly impacting my enjoyment of that game, and I didn't pay a dime to see you. You know what, too? The human element is for players. To me, the human element isn't, oh, that umpire really bleeped up in the ninth inning of a World Series game. Eric Craig. Yeah, or a, a Marlins uh, Braves, Braves playoff, playoff game. Yep. The human element is Mike Trout versus 
Well, maybe not in the playoffs because he never goes to the playoffs, but it's Jose Altuve versus Clayton Kershaw, and both guys know what the parameters are. And it's and the human element is one of the best in the world against one of the best in the world. Let's operate on equal footing for the parameters of this. And we now have the ability to get it right. So Correct. why why not be right? Actually, we don't because the technology's way. No, I don't want to hear that argument. I'm either. down on your guy, Rob Manfred. I'm getting down on him. He's not doing enough. He's asking good questions, but I think it takes a while to push that rock. That Marlins moron should have been suspended this morning for 25 yes. games. Maybe we can get back. Well, let's talk about that with Roy Smalley when we come back. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're buffoons. Mackey and Judd. They are not buffoons. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now. Now. With former twins great turned FSN analyst Roy Smalley. They're killing you. You've lost three games. Right. He's hit three home runs. You gotta hit him. I'm sorry. I mean, people are not gonna like that. You know, you you gotta you gotta hit him, knock him down. At least, I mean, seriously, knock him down if you don't hit him. And you never throw at anybody's head. You never throw at anybody's head or neck. You you hit him in the back. You hit him in the fanny. Uh, Keith Hernandez had thoughts on uh, the Acuna hit by pitch last night. He agreed with it. Roy Smalley, your 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 thoughts on the entire thing, which is Okuna coming up to the plate, having homered in five consecutive games, including a leadoff homer in three consecutive. He's a great story. Your thoughts on on the Marlins pitcher deciding to, in my mind, completely intentionally hit him, and then and then a guy from your generation of uh, baseball basically defending it and saying you have to do it because personally, the whole thing just disgusted me. Yeah, I think um, baseball and baseball players have to decide, you know, what 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 game they're playing and uh, why they do the things they do it under under what scenario. That you know, Keith is from you know my generation. That he and I grew up with the guys that we looked up to having that, and including my uncle and my father, for example, uh, as as players and, and managers. Just you know that was that happened. You know, pitchers would, you know, would would uh, try to intimidate hitters if a guy was hot uh, uh, or uh, hit a home run. Uh, hit was wearing out a team. You know, somebody would uh, somebody would drill him, and that's that's what happened. I mean, talking. You ask Don Drysdale what he thinks. You, 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 <laughs> it's, the answer would be pretty uh, pretty short and uh, and sweet. But the game's been going away from that. And what I can't understand is, so, do you, which is it? I mean, do you are, are you gonna are, are you gonna be mad uh, at and upset enough to throw at somebody if they're uh, beat, beating you, or are you not? So if a guy beats you with a home run and does a bat flip, are, are, you know, is that okay? Uh, or is it not okay? Everybody, you know, half the half the players are saying, "Hey, it brings excitement to the game," and the other half are acknowledging that we're that we're trying to make a living here and we're trying to win. And um, you, you know, we we're competitive, and so in the heat of the moment, when somebody beats you, you're not happy about it, um, or somebody shows you up, you're not happy about it. So, I I I, I just think I with not having an opinion about it. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't think it's. I can have an opinion about it anymore because I don't know what the players, what the rule is anymore. I, I'm trying to think back to the old. I mean, this is way before my time, but before you had baseball helmets, when back in the old timey days, 
and pitchers would absolutely, like you said, they'd gun at you. And in fact, isn't there a, isn't there a story? Maybe it was Bob Gibson, or maybe it was an era before that, where uh, a comfortable hitter who was hot is digging into the batter's box, calling time with the umpire. And the pitcher walks halfway to the batter's oh, box. Oh, that was Drysdale. Drysdale? I told you guys that story. Okay, okay. He says you better dig it six feet or yeah, something. Dig, dig, dig it deep, you, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, expletive, because I'm going to bury you in it. And, yes. And, and uh, he walked right up to him. And then the next pitch, the guy was on his back. You know, I mean, that, that's just the way it, that's the way it was, uh, you know, back then. And, and it, it calmed down over time as I was in the league. Uh, it, different than when I when I was first, you know, when I was first in it to uh, to the end of my career, thirteen years later, and it's just been kind of uh, gradually calming down uh, over time. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure, as I said, what the rules are. You know, Buck Showalter that was asked, you know, about. You know, bat flips and you know guys, um, you, you know, hitting real well against the team, and and nobody, you know, nobody retaliates, nobody does anything. And and what does Buck think about that? Being an old school guy, and and Buck said, well, I guess if my players don't care, I don't care. You know, I, well, how am I supposed to care if my players don't care? So that's kind of where the the boat that I'm in. I don't I I I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what to say about it. Here's my perception of you, though, and I appreciate this. I feel, because I, I grew up watching this game when you were playing, and I love it. My perception of you, though, is that you, you certainly don't agree with all of the new, the new rules or non-rules or what's changed, but I feel like you observe them and, and have a realization that the game is just changing, and if we like that, that's fine, and if we don't, that's fine, too. But they're like with the Hernandez comment, or and we've heard Bert and Jack do do this on Fox Sports North as well. There's this mentality of some that are just stuck in this is how I played and it can't change. And, and Roy, my frustration there, or my concern flat out about that is it has to change. It it has to evolve because we want young people to continue to embrace this game. We do not want it to be like, well, we got a bunch of sixty five year olds and it's great. So. I think there has to be a summit or a happy medium or some type of discussion about, hey, things are just going to change, and the evolution is going to be what, what it's going to be. But if we love this game and want it to continue to thrive, we have to accept that. I agree with that. And, and here's where I, I, I think where I come down on it uh, ultimately. The game is, is really legislating uh, that kind of uh, uh, overt, uh, overly uh, aggressive um, stuff uh, out of the game. Um, the difference between how guys used to come after me, for example, as a, as a shortstop on making a double play you know, when I played, and the rule that they just implemented is it, it's a chasm that you can't even explain, and, and, it, and it's hard to, it, it, that's hard for a guy like me uh, who uh, it, it not? It's not old school. It's just it's a way to help your team win, not try to hurt anybody. Although that happens sometimes, but knock the pivot guy down on a double play so, uh, attempt so that you have another out. Uh, and it and that was an accepted part of the game that uh, for me that I, I thought was that you know that was just that was part of the game. Um, it, and they've they've just taken that away. Guys go in and and slide in and 
and pat the opponent on the rear end and say nice double play now and and so that is being uh, to some degree legislated that those kinds of things are being legislated out of the game and i would say if the player if if that's the way people want i agree with you uh john if 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 that's the way everybody wants it then i don't see any purpose in drilling a guy because he's being successful okay yeah. i think that you can uh, I, I think that you have to pitch inside and pitch inside aggressively, not because you're trying to hit somebody, but because you're tr- you're showing that you can control the inside part. You can throw the fastball in there, and he and the hitter is going to have to be quick to you know, to get the big end of the bat out there, and then the pitcher then owns the outside part of the plate and and owns. You know, you know, the breaking balls, and it makes the pitcher more effective. You have to be able to do that. And if a guy gets hit, a guy gets hit. It's part of the part of the game. But saying now, because we always did it before, where a guy was uh, beating you a lot, and then so you drilled him. Well, then you have something else has to happen. A fight has to happen, or you're, the the pitcher has to protect his player by drilling somebody else. And it's it. I, I'm okay with saying, you know what, that's. Uh, you know that that's it's it's over it's past that now we're we're not going to do that the problem that i have is is showing people up i i just i don't like that as you know and with apologies to to you phil i mean i just <laughs> i don't like guys uh thumping chests and throwing bat up flipping bats and and overly celebrating uh you know when uh, both teams are competitive and trying to win. And if if everybody's if the if the pitcher's okay with the guy doing that, I think there's something wrong with the pitcher. I don't think he cares enough. That's where that's where it gets where it comes down to for me. I I think you got to care about the competition. And if a guy can show you up and you don't care, then I don't think you care enough. Yeah. Where do you draw that line? I, obviously, you and I have different lines that we would draw, but where where you know, if it's the second inning and it's a five-run game, probably don't need a bat flip. If it's the eighth inning of the American League Wild Card game and a guy just gets excited, where where do you draw your line personally? Well, excitement is is uh, one thing uh, to me, and it's it, I admit it's a it's hard to uh, it's hard to draw a line. We've seen uh, you know guys on all teams, twins included, you know, walk off home run and they're pointing at their own dugout and they're jumping up and down. I mean. Uh, you know Kent Herbeck doing his airplane deal around the around the bases in the sixth uh, in the sixth game in '87 when he hit a grand slam. How, how are you going to blame somebody uh, for that? You know Puck uh, pumping his fist as he went around the bases in the sixth game in '91 when he won that game. I mean that's just that's excitement. Uh, uh, that's not uh, showing somebody up in 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 my view. But to, but and even to some degree, I'm okay if you hit the ball a long ways. I mean, if you hit one 450 feet, I don't think you have to put your head down and charge around the bases. I think that you can walk a few steps and admire it, and you know, start trotting. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's fine. But, but the line that I draw is uh, a, a a overt, um, a, a aggressive look at me and what uh, I did at. Uh, at your expense, and I, I find, um, you know, at the pitcher's ex- expense in front of everybody, and I find 
you know, I find bat flips among the things that, <laughs> that do that. The past two days, though, have bugged me because we, we started the Braves game as we did last night, which I thought was ridiculous. And then when Yasiel Puig two nights ago fouls the ball straight back, and he's clearly mad at himself, Roy, and he sort of throws the bat up and catches it, but he's talking to himself, and the Giants catcher goes nuts and basically says, get back in the box and shut up. You know, I mean, that that's the, that's the type of thing to me where I just say, what what are we doing here? You know what? Why are we doing this? And then and then of course that leads to the bench clearing brawl, which I also find now to be the most ridiculous thing of all time, because the bullpens jog in. And if we're ever talking about a pace of play and time of game, we really don't want the bullpens jogging in. Well, exactly. That's that's the most ridiculous thing ever. I mean, we, the, the both bullpens run in, run all the way in to do nothing because none of those guys are going to get in any in any fights. They ought to just open the open the gates and stay out in center field and duke it out. You know, then they could just. <laughs> You know, exactly. Why, why run all the way in? It's, Duke it out it, in the bullpens. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, I mean, it's like an, it's like the, a it's like UFC. Just like, you just <laughs> yeah, lock right, them in. Right. And... No, it's the it's the silliest it's the silliest thing uh, ever. And but that's what I'm talking about. There there are players, and rightfully so. And, and this is about caring, you know. And this is, goes back to that. That's where you know where this all started was when players made a dollar and a half, and and. You know, it was, it, and they were trying. It was their living, and they were they weren't going to let somebody uh, either take them out of out of their job. The pitchers didn't want, you know, they they felt like they had to try to intimidate hitters just to be able to be effective, so they would continue with the job and, and get paid. I mean, it was very competitive that way, and that's that's the way we all were taught. You know, over time. That the way you you know the way you acted on the on the ball field and and it was about caring it was about winning it was about supporting your team it was it was all those things and it's it's going away for all the obvious reasons that we're that we're talking about but guys still have the competitive uh, mentality and I you know I understand it I mean I I I get it and that's why I said it's hard for me to have an opinion now because. You, you know, you're evenly split, uh, probably, um, or, or there are at least there are a number of guys that still have that mentality that you're not going to continue doing this to us, or you're not going to show us up. Or I had <laughs> Paul Splitorf was screaming at me one time, told me he was going to drill me in the head. I, I I was playing at the old Met, and um, and he, uh, I I got on base, and I think I walked, but. Uh, and when he came off the field, I was on, I'd been on third base, and he he walked by me screaming at me, told me he was going to hit me in the head the next time, and all this stuff. And the next time up, Buck Martinez was catching. I looked down at Buck and I said, "What the hell was Splitorf yelling about?" And Buck said, "You were swinging too hard." I go, "Oh, <laughs> okay, wow, all right. Well, all right. you let me know. You, you you know, have him tell me how hard I can swing. Okay, I mean, I, it, I didn't know, <laughs> you know. And as it turned out." You know, it's one of those things where the pitcher was—he was working his way back from injury and had gotten his brains beat in a little bit, and and he was struggling. And now, you know, I'm having some good swings, found the ball back against him, and and he kind of lost it. But you know, that's the that's the long time mentality that you know that you're going to have from from players, and it's slowly working its way out of the game. And it, we're going to have these things, you know, and, and until people decide which game it's going to be. I think it's going to be the, a kinder, gentler game, uh, but it's just going to take a while to, to wear itself out. Yeah. Next time we'll talk some twins, but that was awesome. That was good stuff, good Roy. Stuff, Roy. Thank Roy. you. See you next week. All right. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. Roy Smalley from Fox Sports North.
Uh, let's talk about the national clearance event happening right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. This is a great time to get into a brand new vehicle, 2018 models with 0% financing on selected vehicles, rebates up to $2,500. All 2018 vehicles, or at least over 600 of them anyways, are priced to move as part of this national clearance event. And like I've been telling you for years here on 1500 ESPN, you get the combination of durability and reliability, which is what Toyotas give you, and also peace of mind and expertise and a family-like atmosphere at Luther Brookdale Toyota. So again, it's the national clearance event. They're trying to make room for 2019, so they get all these new vehicles, over 600 of them, priced to move, 0% APR financing, $2,500 rebates, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com to find out more or just stop in on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Before. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Right out in front of the plate, Acuna tosses the helmet down. And now in a crouch on the third baseline. The very first pitch of the game... Nails Ronald Acuna Jr. And now the Braves are coming out of their dugout looking at Urania. And now both benches are going to empty. Brad Snifter's leading the charge. I don't blame Smith for being mad right here. And I'll tell you what, if the umpire Chad Fairchild, he should be tossed right here, Joe. Absolutely he should. So to what Roy was talking about, old school versus kind of what we have now, which is that if you... If, the game, the way that game started last night with the Braves, that was standard two generations ago. I mean, so my, my dad was born in the early 1940s. His dad played some, some uh, he, he would barnstorm around and pitch against guys like Satchel Paige, against some of the Negro League teams, and, mm-hmm. and even stories is like back in the 20s and 30s. So we're talking 80, 90 years ago. And the stories that I would always hear from those two passed down about old-timey baseball is that fear was a huge factor. You didn't have a helmet on as a hitter. You had a hat, for one. Yes. So the pitcher the pitcher had a rock in his hand, and you weren't wearing any protection on your head. And so that dynamic was a big thing in baseball for a long time. That sort of, don't get out of line, don't show me up, either by your actions or by your success. And if you do, I'm going to take this rock I'm going to throw it at your unprotected head. Right. And I'm going to knock you down. And um, was it was it Ted Williams that said hitting is ninety percent mental, basically just getting getting over the fear of being in the batter's box back in the old days. That doesn't really exist anymore. When something like that happens, as it did last night, we look at it and and we kind of whoa because that's not what's supposed to take place in 2018 baseball. But it is interesting the way it used to work way back in the day, well, like Roy was talking about. There's a few things at work here, though, and part of it is is the old baseball people sort of forget yeah. what, what baseball was about. Mickey Mantle bat-flipped. I saw a tweet last night, he bat-flipped. Reggie Jackson showed up pitchers constantly. Now, I will agree with this. If you are an okay baseball player but not great, and you show up a pitcher or bat, or bat, bat flip, it can cause a problem. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like if you are Jerome Simpson and you catch a first down pass, I still know you suck, yeah. but you get up and celebrate. <laughs> I still know you're a joke. Uh, but if you're a credible player, credible players have bat flipped for a, a long time. 
Um, but the issue that I keep going towards is we want this game. We all love this game. And we might not like how it's changed, but we love the game. And we want it to thrive. And we want to keep as many young people engaged as possible. And so whether you like them or not, what they think is, is important. And people pay a lot of money to go to games now. Or if they sit down to watch a game, they have a desire to watch the best players available. It doesn't help the game when one of the most exciting young players in the game last night gets hit on the elbow, thus taking away his chance not only to hit a home run and that at bat, but also he has to leave that game. Yeah. Um, once again, I'll go to umpires. When an umpire tosses a player, if I want to see that player, you've just cost me that chance. And, and so... What we need, I think, to be focused on is what's going to keep this game thriving and make it as popular as possible into the future, and things have changed there. And if you just want to say, but it used to be this way, that's fine, but that's how you end up with the mm-hmm. game dying. Uh, for the record, the the streak of hitting a home run in your first official at-bat of X amount of games in a row is still alive when he comes back. I saw that, yeah. No one has ever homered in their first official at-bat of six consecutive games because getting hit by a pitch is not an official at bat. So he can Getting a hit by pitch for that kid should never have have been a worry. That's what makes me mad about Unless it. Unless it was an accident. Yeah. And it was an accident. Yep. Like I mean, that guy has bad control, but watch that pitch. He runs it in on his arm. He didn't it's not like he hit him in the head, but he ran it in on purpose and yeah, he didn't been thinking about it all day. And he and didn't night. have good enough control to justify doing that. That's yeah. the thing is if I can brush you back, if I can come inside below your rib cage basically and I know I can do that, that's part of the game. But if my control is so horse bleep that I don't know where it's going, then I have no business doing that to you. Yeah, James, what do you got for us in questions next? Well, we're going to get you guys to channel your inner Jalen Ramsey and rip some quarterbacks. Wow. Judd just lifted his fist in the air. <laughs> yes. I'm coming after Bortles. Uh, Murph with some questions for us, Mackie and Judd, in the TCL Broadcast Studios. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 